when I set up the business, I looked back over that time and exactly as you said, it's a really tough time when, when relationships are not going as you'd like them to, as the fairy tale's not happening for you. People on both sides of the fence, it's the hidden truth, the twisted truth, um, the blatant lies happen because it's hard. You're listening to The Milk Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about balancing motherhood, entrepreneurship, sex, romance, all of it. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Last week on the show, we had actress Katherine Hahn. That was such an amazing interview. And today on the show, we have Ellie Johnson, who came to me through Harry Duran, my producer. Ellie is such a treasure. She hunted me down through LinkedIn and said, let's meet. So we met, I'm air quoting, through a video chat just to, just to kind of see if we liked each other. And it was just instant like and I said, you you must be on the show. And so we booked it. And um, several weeks later, I interviewed her long distance. We had to deal with the time difference and the internet. <laughs> and we had several issues, but we made it and we made the interview happen. And her story is amazing. I, I, I really, really overuse the word amazing, but, but it's because I have so many amazing women on the show. So Ellie is a truth expert. How she came to that title is really a fascinating story. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening, guys. Hi, Ellie. (laughs) Hi, Jennifer. We just went through a crazy, it is the full moon tonight where I am. Well, where you are too. It's still full moon all over the world. And but the two of us figured it out thanks to Ellie's suggestion of using a different uh, platform. And here we are. So <laughs> Got a love take, take. you were just about to tell me about this new uh, program that you're developing. And I was so excited to hear about it. <laughs> so do you mind starting over again on that? Yeah, it's, it's a short and sharp and sweet program that I'm putting together. Actually, after, after we finish our call, I'm starting it. And it's designed to, um, rather than have people sit down and watch hours of video, I, I want to do 26 short videos. It's the A to Z of getting more truth and spotting deception. I, I wondered if I could find 26 different things that match the letters of the alphabet. <laughs> wow. So when I was crafting it, it all came together beautifully. So that's what I'm filming soon. And that's going to be posted on LinkedIn. Wow. And is that going to be a course like uh, from your website that we can, or you're just posting it on LinkedIn for people to get? Yeah, look, eventually it will. I'll put it together. I'll put it together in something a little bit more formal, but I know that the, the idea of getting more truth and spotting deception is something that a lot of people want to know more about. So I thought, what can I do that won't take a lot of time to put together and that people can access for free? And, and so that's where I'm at at the moment. But yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll formalize it and make it a little bit meatier at some point. But oh, I love it. I can't wait to go on LinkedIn and, and try it because it's always, I'm always seeking truth and, and different forms of truth, my truth, you know, what's true for my family. And um, so how did you, how did you come to this? Like, I, tell me a little bit about your background because it's so fascinating. I know a bit about your story, but I want to share with our listeners. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, I work in the space of truth and lies and I have done so with a lot of focus for almost 20 years, but my fascination with the topic started when I was a 22 year old rookie police officer. <laughs> and, and I realized that, um, shortly after graduating from the police academy and being thrown into the deep end of policing, I realized that one of the core responsibilities of a police officer, as you would expect, is getting information from people and being able to seek the truth, get the truth, to make good decisions to either put someone into to prison or not put them in prison or, or um, you know, witnesses and victims and suspects and so on. And, and I saw a gap in my knowledge. Even though I was fresh out of the academy, I thought, um, I thought I knew more than what I did, but when I was thrown into situations where I needed to get the truth um, from suspects, then I, I realized how difficult it was to do. Why would somebody give you information that's against their own self-interest? And I reflected back on uh, what I'd learned in the curriculum and, and how much focus we'd, we'd spent on that, and there really wasn't a lot. 
even though it was one of the core responsibilities <coughs> of a police officer. So that's where my fascination started and it, and, it, and it grew over time and I read lots and I tried lots and I practiced lots and I studied lots. And then when I left the police force and joined the corporate world, I, I was still interested, obviously, in the topic and I saw the same um, problem, I guess. So although it wasn't policing, I saw that a lot of people were in roles or positions or responsibilities where they needed to really get the truth from people, but they had not stopped to think about what some of those barriers were to be able to, to get the truth from people. So, for example, um, people working in recruitment uh, and selecting candidates, if you get that wrong, if somebody lies to you and you make a decision based on misinformation, that can be very, very costly to a small business or a large business. Sure. Um, leaders not understanding the truth of how their staff and their team are feeling can change the whole culture of a team or an organisation. And then you've got more sinister lies around um, you know, security issues and theft and theft of information and corruption and so on. So, you know, it's a huge topic that that everyone has an interest in, whether it's their in the boardroom or the interview room or the lunchroom or the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's really an important topic. So yeah, that's a snapshot. That's amazing. I mean, I'm so fascinated by this and just listening to you talk, I'm thinking about all the white lies that I tell on a daily basis (laughs) just to protect people or, or make it easy for myself or even like, uh, you know, I hate to admit this, but I'm going to. You know, sometimes I will, I'm just going to say fib because it makes myself feel better. But sometimes I'll lie to my child about something because I just want him to act a certain way or, and there's a selfishness to that, I think, but there's also just like a survival mechanism to it as well. Um, and I mean, let's not even talk about romantic relationships. Like that's, I mean, do you find that like, so you coach clients, you have, you have private clients, you have groups, you do all kinds of speak all over the world about this. Yeah. Um, so, so since 2001, that's where I started the, the business with, um, to be able to utilize the skills that I developed and knowledge that I developed over the years. And the co-founder of the business is Australia's leading polygraph operator. So we kind of got together with all our various experiences and interests and, and created a company that was focused on helping people to um, conduct better interviews, to be able to elicit information, read behavior, read body language, um, influence for the truth, but also spot signs of harmful deception. And and listening to you say that you, you lied to your child and we lied to our partners, <laughs> but we, we all do, but Jennifer, we all do. Like, like if you actually consciously tracked how many lies you tell in a week, <laughs> Yeah. You'll be horrified. You'll be sure horrified. <laughs> so, and this is, you know, everyone if, if some people actually have done that, and I've I've started it, and I, I got to um, the numbers were getting too high. <laughs> but even the lies that you think about, you think about telling a lie, you may not actually do it, but you you think in lies sometimes. Yes, like yes. You you didn't call somebody back, and you want to then get in touch with them and tell them why you didn't call them back. Already the lie starts. What should I say? Should I say, I'm sorry, I was so busy? Should I say, um, I'm sorry, my phone battery went dead? You know, yeah. you, you, and then what you end up telling them, you may tell the truth or you probably will tell a version of that lie. So we actually kind of think in lies a lot as well. Why like, is that? Because well, for some of the reasons you mentioned before, like we don't want to hurt people's feelings or we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to be confronted with our own um, laziness sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we come up with excuses and reasons to cover our butt to, to keep the peace to, and that's okay. So it's not, uh, my, my mission isn't about saying to everyone, you know what, you have to tell the truth. <laughs> fine. Right. Because I'm, I don't think that's how we're wired. And I don't think that's how, um, the culture of humans, you know, kind of works. But, but also I, I think that we can sit back and think about we like more truth from people. We expect more truth. We don't like dishonesty. We get upset yeah. when somebody lies to us. Yeah. Um, you know, we might break up a relationship because he lied to us or right. we might, um, you know, we get upset if, if our boss lies to us or we don't have the truth. But then when we rewind and look at our own behaviours, I think there's a lot that we can do to tweak our own, our own behaviours and our own self-awareness about yeah. the truth we tell yeah. or the truth that we don't tell. And there's a story I want you to tell 
and I can't remember when it happened to you, how old you were, but I remember you were at the horse races. <laughs> Do you mind telling us that story? That's a, that's a really old story. Okay. And that, that's probably actually where my, where my fascination in truth really kicked off. And, and yeah, I, I was, I was only um, 17 or 18 and, and my boyfriend at the time, we'd been going out for about a year and he, we're at the races and he walked off to put a, a bet on and I walked off to get a drink, but I saw him sitting on a bench chair talking to a girl. And then I recognized the girl was his ex-girlfriend. And that's okay. It's like they'd broken up. We've been together a long time. But he came back to me and he put his bed on. And I said, oh, where did you go? I put the bed on. Did you do anything else? No, I didn't. Did you see anyone else? No, no, no. Of course, in that situation, when you've got ground truth and you yes. know the truth, yes. you know that someone is lying. In a lot of situations, we, we don't know because we don't have ground truth. We're just fishing for information. But I had ground truth there and I was sitting looking into his face, looking eye to eye, and he was blatantly lying to me. And I said, did you talk to anyone else? No, no, what are you talking about? And so, you know, I sort of pushed it a bit further because I thought this is amazing that he's <laughs> lying to my face. <laughs> he's burying himself and doesn't yeah, even know it. It is. And, and, and the thing is when you tell a lie and you consciously tell a lie, you've got to invent another lie to cover that first one. Yes. And that's, that's where people come unstuck fairly quickly because you can't really think through what am I going to say then, what am I going to say then, what am I going to say then. And that's where a lot of criminals come unstuck where they tell a lie, I wasn't there, I was here, and good investigators bring them unstuck pretty quickly. But in this case, I said, I actually said to Craig, all right, imagine that I know the truth. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question again. When you went to put the bed on, did you talk to anyone else? And he looked at me and he said, absolutely not. <laughs> Oh and, I, and I was fascinated thinking, isn't it amazing that, that when somebody has told a lie, how they, they're so wedded to that lie, even though his logical brain might be signaling, hang on, I think she might have a clue. <laughs> so I pushed it further and, and I said, you know, I don't like lies and I really want the truth and, you know, the truth is okay, I just don't want you to lie. And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I just put a bet on, that's it. And then I came back. <laughs> And yeah, so I, that, that really sort of kickstarted my fascination with, with people's, um, behavior around truthfulness and even, <laughs> even when they're confronted with, with that sort of situation. Yes. We ended up breaking up. I mean, we probably had some other things going on, but I just thought, you know what? No, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. But, but, but you know, we're not, I'm, I don't put myself as, as, um, somebody on the pedestal that always tells the truth either. You know, I, I look back on situations in my life where I think, I could have done better and I, I should have been more honest. And that's my mission moving forward is to try to be more honest and authentic and truthful, even when it gets hard, even when it's tough. Yeah. Um, and also to encourage people to do that too. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to learn unless you've had that model. I know I didn't really in my family. Like there is a, there is a, there's a graceful way to be honest and still be kind and deliver, you know, your side of the truth. Because again, like there's two, I guess, how do you feel about that phrase? There's two sides to the truth. Do you there's agree probably, with that? Disagree with that? Uh, there's probably more than two, I'd, I'd say, because, uh, um, you know, you have, you have your truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. And then if you were a third person outside looking in, then you would have another um, perspective to it. So you've got all your biases and your filters and your, your conditioning and your map of the world that impacts on how you how you view something, how you see something. So my truth might be completely different to your truth, but we're both right. So that's mm. different between, um, you know, dishonesty or lying. That's just your map of the world and your belief system. Yes. Your perspective. Yeah. Your worldview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on your like pathos and your past and stuff. So oh, that's when you were, so you're 18, you had that relationship and then you went to the police academy. So young. How did you know you wanted to? Oh, no, I was 21, 21 when I went in. So I graduated. Okay. I graduated on my 22nd birthday. So, um, wow. <laughs> How did you know so young that you wanted to be an officer? That's such what? a, that's I a very know. specific, demanding, I would think. I don't know from experience, a very demanding profession with yeah, your I, life and so forth. Yeah, it, it was. I, I, I yeah, it wasn't something that I always grew up thinking I wanted to do. It was like I met some some other police where I was working and I thought that sounds like something fun. <laughs> I mean, it's and, also like just and knowing you now and getting to see you and like talking to you, it's really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, 
shoot when I found out who you were. <laughs> we connected on uh, via LinkedIn actually, and I looked you up, and I was like, "Oh, that's hot." She was like, oh, "That's so sexy." It is. There's something sexy about, it. and not, and not talking about in an objectifying way, although that is probably present. And I'm sure I want to ask you how that was being a female police officer, yeah. but the power that comes with being in, in, in that role and, yeah. and to be a woman in that role, there's something sexy about having the dominance of that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, but I got off track. So, so <laughs> sorry. So what made you, let's start with what made you want to, uh, to do that, pursue that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it just seemed to fit. It seemed to make sense to me. And um, I think picking up on what you're saying, yeah, the, the, the sexy part probably is as a woman, you get to, you can still have your femininity, but you get to also find your inner strength and power because you have to have it in that role yes. because you're making, you're making fast decisions for potentially your life or somebody else's life. Yes. And you're making decisions about members of the public where you want them to be or what you want them to do or how, you, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of inner strength that you need to, to find to be able to make those, those yes. just, you know, men, women, we can all, we can all do it. But I think the, some of the traditional roles of, of women are, are not to use that, that strength. Yes. Um, yes. And that's, that's changing over, over the years, but it's a very male dominated industry still. Yes. Still, and, and, um, and what was it like being? Were, were you one of few women on the, uh, on the force? Look, there was, there was there, there were, in our squad. I think there was um, five five women and twenty five men. Wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, maybe six, maybe six women. Yeah, so that that uh, I don't know what the ratio is sort of these days, but that's what it, what it was um, quite a few years ago. And and a lot of women struggled once they got into that role too because it was so it's a boys club it was a boys club so you had to fit in to the boys club in a way to become one of the boys how did you was there like a hazing process were they (laughs) you were they did they harass you at all I guess I'm fortunate in I have whatever it is that I have I'm I'm able to adapt fairly well to different situations and settings so uh i i didn't struggle too much i could be one of the girls and be one of the boys mm-hmm. and that seemed to go okay but i i saw a lot of women struggling with that that would be offended by the boy talk and the boy behavior and they'd say oh you know that's so disrespectful and it's so this and it's so that and therefore they would get offside with the guys and then it would just snowball from there and yeah. Yeah. And then this is a random question. Do you guys carry firearms there? Do you yes. carry guns? You do. Okay. I didn't know. Cause I think in, I, I might be misinformed, but I feel like in, in Britain, they don't. Do I have that correct? Yeah, I think that's changed. I think that's changed that's or changed. changing, but yes, yeah. you're right. They, they, they didn't used to. They didn't used to. Okay. Curious. Just because I'm thinking of you, you said, you know, life threatening situations and I'm like, God, I, that's, would be so scary to be in that and not have, I don't own a gun and I wouldn't know how to use one. Yeah. Um, but to be in your position and so, so I'm sorry, I'm getting off track because I'm just so fascinated with the story. It's because it's, it's a big part of your, your trajectory and where, how you got to where you are and how you're so inspired in what you talk about now. So, but, but interesting, tiny little facts, tiny little fact is that you met your husband, uh, in your squad, right? That's right. Your yeah. ex-husband now, but, um, and yeah, so we were squad mates, and then when I left the police force, that's when we actually got together properly. And but it, it didn't turn out like you know he he's a good guy, but it just for whatever reason we sort of that momentum didn't continue, and yeah. and um, you know I, I kind of fell out of love and didn't know how to get it back, and <laughs> and so it just sort of it fizzled, it dissolved, and we we had two little girls, and so it was a, it was a hard time, it was a, a sad sad time. I wished. I could have kept the fire going, but I didn't know how. And yeah, and how kind of going with this theme of truth and honesty, and how was it in that stretch of time? I mean, I'm just recently divorced, very, very recently divorced. So I know there's this gosh, talk about truth and honesty, and really coming to someone and saying, "I'm feeling this way, and I think we should move on." And and it's a long for me and most women I know who've been through it. It's a long process of that of really having those conversations. So how did you sort of integrate everything that you know and are inspired by? Were you at that time doing your company or were you still in the corporate world? 
yeah, still in the corporate world at, at that time. And and so I think that's where a lot of my lessons also, um, when I set up the business, I looked back over that time. And exactly as you said, it's a really tough time when, when relationships are not going as you'd like them to, as the fairy tale's not happening for you. Um, people on both sides of the fence, it's the, the, the hidden truth, the twisted truth, um, the blatant lies happen because it's hard. You don't, we don't learn this stuff at school. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no, you, and yes, there's a relationship books out there, but if, what if you haven't read the right one or what if the, right. you know, it's a really hard time. And so there's so many other factors that bubble up. And, and now with hindsight, and I, and I say this to a lot of my, my clients too, is to educate yourself more uh, around communication, around speaking up, around the truth. And because there, there are a lot more resources out there now because we, we think we should have the ability to do it, but when it gets tough and when there's emotions involved and when there's hearts involved, speaking the truth, it, it can be really, really difficult because you don't want to hurt someone's feeling or you're not even sure of what the truth is in your, yes. in your own head. Yes. You, I should feel this way and you have people saying you should be doing this and you could speak to five different friends and they'll all give you different advice. Yes. Like, okay, what's right? What's wrong? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? And and then, you know, there's temptations and people go and have affairs or they get drawn to somebody because they're so confused or they're seeking, you know, attention or affection or, or, or whatever they are. So it's a messy time for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough one. But there's, and you think about it, like we, with relationships, a lot of us do very little research and, and um, study. We do more, more study for, or more, put more, um, action into going to get a new job than we do getting a relationship or when we <laughs> so you true. think about it we go do a four-year university course or yes. uh, we you know we, we study we might do a course that goes for a year or six weeks around getting that particular qualification to get a job but what study do we do really for relationships and yet you grab two people together from a different background a different upbringing and mush them together and say off you go and of course, there's going to be challenges. And yes, yes. So, so after that, how long after that did you start your this business? And and what's the name of your business? So, uh, Truthability is yes. the name of the business now. So I love that. It's changed name a few times. Yeah, Truthability. So it, it, I rebranded it a couple of years ago. I, I just pulled it apart and thought, what am I all about? What am I trying to help people with? And and it just kept on coming up, truth, truth, truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning all the time. I haven't perfected my my message yet, but I, I'm 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 learning all the time too. And everything I learn, I I put it into a format to go right. How can I teach somebody that? How can that make sense? And you know, for example, I've got the five pillars of truth at the moment that I'm still I'm still um, massaging, and that's around self truth. Being truthful with yourself, <laughs> let's yeah. start there before you expect the truth from other people. Sure. Um, seeking truth, actually asking, well, am I entitled to get the truth from somebody rather than just, you know, I mean, gossip is not truth most of the time, but thinking, why do I want the truth? What is the truth that I'm seeking? And then attracting truth. How do I go about attracting truth, particularly in situations where there's a higher likelihood of it being hidden, speaking up and speaking the truth, having the courage to actually speak up. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about where I didn't speak up in the police force that I wish I had of, um, and also spotting hidden truth. So that's about the lie, the lie spotting. So there's kind of five angles to, to look at truth. Okay. So, tell me the story. So quickly, um, again, so I'm 22. I'm freshly graduated. I was a couple of months out of the academy. And you have to do a test to get your police Police car license, police driver's license. So I had my driver's license, had had it for four years. I was a good driver and went to get my police license. You do a, a one hour, two hour drive test with a, a senior officer. And we went, we drove through the suburbs and we went off the beaten track and he said he wants to test my off-road skills. I'm like, okay. So it's like a dirt track into this bush area. And then he says, pull over. There's no cars, no houses any, anywhere around. And he said, how badly do you want your license? And I oh, said, no. yeah. and I I'm said, so afraid of where this is going. <laughs> and I said, I want it. Of course I want my license, like a joking. Anyway, so he's actually grabbed my hand and unzipped his pants, started to unzip his pants. And he said, I can guarantee you get your license if you help me out here. And I, I like, it was a combination of shock, horror, 
disgust. Sure. And also I thought, is he just joking? You know, right. like, what is right. right. And, I, and I pulled my hand away and I said, what? Are you serious? And he said, come on, no one's around. It won't take long. And I'm like, oh, my heart started racing. And I was, it was like, oh. and I said, no, let's, no, let's get out of here. And he said, you're sure about that? And I was, I, I'm 22. I was like, wow, well, this is disgusting. So I, um, you know, we drove off and I'm, my heart was still racing and I was not focusing um, at that point. I'm thinking, is he going to fail me? Should I speak up? Like he's a senior sergeant and I'm just a, a junior police officer. And um, I was, you know, I was scared. I was like, wow. Anyway, because I wasn't focusing, I ended up going through a stop sign, driving through a stop sign. <laughs> I, I slowed down, but I didn't I didn't stop. I didn't crash or anything, but I, I went through a stop sign. And he said, well, fail. He said, if you didn't stop at the stop sign, sorry, that's a fail. And I said, but, but. He goes, no, have a look on my sheet. He said, that's one of the things that you fail. And so we got back to the, and so fair enough, he failed me. But then I thought, who who can I tell? What's going to happen to me? This is the start of my police career, and yeah, and I was I was scared, and I I can't remember exactly. He said something about not telling anyone, or or I can't remember what it was. Of course, he did. Yeah, so I never told anyone in in my whole police time, and it was actually years even after I left the police force the first time I told somebody about it, and they said, "Well, why didn't you speak up at the time?" Mm. And I said, well, I was scared. I, I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know. I just didn't, just couldn't process it in my head. And so, you know, with the work that I'm doing now and with that story, and, and everyone's got a story like that, um, is, right, what can I, how can I massage the, my material, my content, my knowledge to, to, send a message across to, you know, women in particular where that sort of situation might happen, how could what I know help them to not have to live with that? Yeah. How could how could they speak up? So and and you know, I know that's a bit of a movement around the world. Yeah. Is that whole speak up and me too, me too um, yes. move, movement and and um yeah, so I'm I'm working in that space as well. Yeah. Wow, that's profound. Thank you for sharing that story. With me and with our it's, listeners. It's funny because my heart races when I tell it too. So. I can tell. Like, of course there's it does. Obviously, yeah, it's, there's obviously still, you know. A, a, it's a, trauma. There's trauma yeah. behind that. I mean, that's, yeah. um, you know, and, and I mean, it's just so, wait, so did you get your license again? Like later you had to retake the test or how did that work? Yeah, I had to go back. I had to go back. So I, I went back a couple <sighs> months later and I was so scared that I was going to get the same instructor. Oh. And it was different instructor and he so I got into the car and he seemed nice and and he said oh how come you missed out on you on it before and I and I oh, yeah. and like well because the other schmuck pulled his dick out <laughs> yeah I uh, know I, I, that's what's all going through my head and I just oh I went through a stop sign and he said oh okay and so we drove off and like 20 minutes into it he said you're a really good driver and I said mm. oh thank you and he said look don't worry he said you, you're fine we don't have to go any further you've got it oh. and Thank so, God you had that experience the second yeah. time. My God. I mean, wow, that's, that's tremendous. So, well, no wonder you have, I mean, that's what I love about hearing women's stories and, and your story is so fascinating to me because you have all these pieces of your past that that's how you get inspired to do what you're doing today. And, and, and when we spoke before, um, when we met, uh, online, we've never met in person, but it will happen one day. We will. Gonna, we yeah. Will. I want to actually bring my, my son to Sydney. It's one of my, on my top of my list. Um, is that you said that you are currently one of the many things that you're doing. And Ellie, we're going to provide Ellie's website so you guys can all go see all the really exciting things she's into because it's just awesome. Um, one of the really cool things that you're doing right now is working with women, particularly, um, in the realm of there was one, example you gave of women my age, let's say, you know, I'm 43, who were either single or recently divorced or so on and so forth and, and trying to, to date and, and how, what that's like. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's a big topic, isn't it? There's so many parts to that puzzle and there's so many, so many angles on that. So my angle, again, keeping with the theme of the work I do, um, is particularly around, um, a lot of a lot of women and men too, but a lot of women say that they don't trust getting back out there to date because 
um, perhaps they've been lied to or cheated on or they feel that out there in the dating scene that, that they think they're doing well with a guy and they're, they're, he really likes her and then finds out that he's just, you know, counting numbers of how many women he can get sure. into bed. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the feedback that I, I got whilst I was training and coaching in, in different areas was, hey, gee, it'd be good to know how to spot deception early in a relationship so I don't invest time and um, emotion with the wrong yes. person. Yes. Uh, now, so there's no silver bullet on that, but there are certainly things that we can do to be able to encourage more truth from the start and also create a foundation of of truth when you, when you think you've found somebody that you connect with, to have a different conversation with them at the start to let them know, hey, if we're going to do this, let's start with a fantastic foundation where honesty and truthfulness is at the core of what we do yeah. because it's harder it's harder kind of two years down the track to then you know rewind and you've already yeah. got hidden truth and twisted truth and all that so if you can have a different conversation at the start but then also before you get to that stage is coming back to you know one of the areas around the self-truth are you ready to get into a new relationship do you have to do some healing from the past one before you can jump into a new one. And I think that's that's a core part of what I coach women with too is if they keep having failed relationships or relationships that don't go in the direction they want or choosing the wrong person over and over again, yes. um, maybe they need to actually get off online dating for a while and get off the dating scene and really focus on some self-love and some self-truth yes. and do the work on them. You know, it take, take a year working on yourself and yes. then come back out very, very clear about the sort of person that you want to bring into your life yes. rather than going, you know, from man to man to man. Oh, and I'm so you- into that right now because yeah. I, I have to tell you, I'm single for the first time in 14 years. I was together with my husband for uh, 14 years, married for 12. And I'm finding that, you know, I tried dating for a minute and I was just like, nope, <laughs> not ready, not ready. Yeah. And I'm really embracing with the guidance of some of my mentors, just that like, it's probably going to be a year and I'm great with that. Like I'm, I feel great. Like I don't, there's no pressure for me to date or find a man or, you know, I don't feel like I have to have sex. If I need to go have sex, I guess I could do that, but that's not, I'm, I don't feel like I need it, but if I find that I do, I can, (laughs) but, um, but I just, I'm really investing in like, okay, what makes me feel good? And what, what do I value for myself and giving that to myself? And I, I think my theory is, we'll see, talk to me in a year, but <laughs> my theory is if I can know that truth for myself, 100% or 99%, cause it fluctuates, I'm sure. Then I'll be able to communicate that to my next partner. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you think I'm on the right track? I guess I'm I, sort think, of- I think you're on a great track. I think you're on a great track. And well, it, it actually starts with mapping out what sort of relationship that you want. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it, I think what with my Truth, Lies, and Love program, I've said to women, I'm not really interested in helping you get into an average relationship because that's kind of easy to do. I can. Mm-hmm. I go, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of what we a lot of people sort of settle for is like, hey, it's it's pretty good. It's yeah, it's good. But when you hear someone say it's pretty good. Chances are they're either going to stay in it, but not really get the rewards yeah. of a great relationship, or it's going to crash and burn um, yes. in a way sometime soon. Uh, and it takes it takes effort to to find somebody that is on the same page as you, but then to build that foundation of honesty and truth and and build from from there and create something amazing. So I say to women, look, I don't have all the answers. It's a big puzzle, but the pieces of the puzzle that I answer can certainly help in the whole big overall puzzle to help you to get more truth, to read behavior, to ask better questions early on too. But also I've got this thing called a decision traffic light. So it's got the, the three colors of the traffic light and it's thinking, just getting you thinking about if, he, if he's a red, if you're hanging on to somebody, but you know deep down, he's never going to be your Mr. Amazing. Yeah. And there's plenty of stories around that. I, I was coaching a lady the, the other day and she she's kept this guy with her for nine months even though she knew it wasn't going anywhere because she wanted the c- companionship, but she was also worried about how to tell him that she wasn't that into him because she didn't want to hurt his feelings. Yes. So oh. she, but it was causing her so much stress and she's like, Oh my God. And it was almost like this obligation to catch up with him an obligation to have sex. And she kind of liked him in a way, but she just knew he wasn't someone that she wanted to build something with. And, 
but she didn't know how to have that conversation. And so she, every time she'd start to have the conversation, she'd get scared. She didn't know the words around it. She, um, it and she got herself in a real pickle. So I coached her through that <laughs> and, and she ended up having a different conversation with him. Uh, yes, it, you know, still had tears involved, but she felt so much more empowered to be able to speak the truth and get the result that she needed. And then she was free and then she realized she needed to do some work on herself and she wasn't going to go back on the dating scene for a while. But, um, yeah, so you don't want to hang on to somebody just because you know, for the wrong reasons, I guess. Yes. I love that. Oh, this is so exciting that you're doing this work. Cause I feel like, like you said earlier, there's no, unless it's modeled for you in your, as a child with your parents who are our first example of a relationship. Um, where do you learn it? I learned how to be in a relationship by watching TV. I was watching I Love Lucy <laughs> and Dick Van Dyke as if those are real relationships. And it's like, no, that's not actually how it works at all. Like, But I thought that that's what... And I would watch, once I got older, I was watching more you know, grown up movies and things. And I would see sex scenes. And I, oh, well, that's, that's what sexy is. And it's like, no, that's what's sexy in that script for those actors in that moment. They're not even, there's like 20 people in that room and a light in her boob. And it's not, that's not, but I do, nobody. We nobody don't. And, and then there's all the Disney movies that tell us, oh, God. we just need to sort of, you know, go, go along in life. And then maybe we're the damsel in distress for a minute. And then the prince will come along. Yes. And rescue us. And then when he kisses us, all the, you know, all the, the bluebirds will land on your shoulder and you'll be, yeah. And, and then you live, as the script says, happily ever after. So yeah. that's why we, we get so distraught when, hang on, this is supposed to be happily ever after. Yeah. Like, what, what yeah. happened here? So speaking of which, I want to go back to your, your happily ever after didn't happen with your first husband. Yeah. And so you, you made the choice to move away from that marriage and you had to, uh, little girls mm-hmm. and you're a single mom and you're working and you, then you start your own company and you're doing all this exciting stuff. And how is that like, cause I know I'm, what I'm getting to that's exciting, but also a journey is that you're in, in, a, in a sort of new relationship and newly engaged. Yes, um, yes. So that's wonderful. But how was that journey from the ending of that marriage to kind of where you are now? I know that's a big yeah. question, but yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was challenging. It was tough. It was, I, I, I beat myself up because I, I like, why I couldn't make my marriage work? Why I wasn't, wasn't I the person that I thought I was for him and all of that stuff. And so for, for a long time, I didn't date anyone and um, I was just trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong yeah. Um, yeah. And, and learn about myself again and, and be the best mum that I could be because I wasn't getting that right all the time too because it was it was a hard time and lots of single mums can relate to that for sure. And um, so I was on and off the dating scene and I met guys that I thought were great. I met, um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. I had a couple of short-term relationships. But then I met my now fiancé and, I mean, that was difficult in itself. We met online and we were living in different states of Australia. Oh, wow. And uh, I kind of had a, my, my checklist of my must-haves from my Mr. Amazing and he ticked a lot of them. But the fact that he lived in a different state, which was, you know, an a hour plane flight away, and he actually is a widower, so he'd lost his wife to a battle. She'd had leukaemia. And so she battled leukemia for four years. So he, and they were married for 15 years. So this is a guy that is like still right in the depth of grief. Yeah. And he's, and he has two little boys, you know, six and nine when I met him. And so it was like, wow, hang on a second. I'm, I'm, you know, my girls are just about grown up and, and, and we had our own challenges over there. Is this something I really want to get involved with? (laughs) And, um, I did. And <laughs> it's been a tough journey. Like it's a, it's been a really a big roller coaster that's challenged me at times to think, is this what I want? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been worth it. And it's, but it's hard. It can be hard, particularly when you have so many different pieces to puzzle. I bet. Well, and is he still living away in a different No, state? no. So, so we ended up moving. So he was in Adelaide, if you know Australia, yes. he was in Adelaide and I was in Melbourne. And then we both oh. moved to Sydney. So oh, he's okay. he's originally from Sydney, and so a couple of years ago he asked me to move to um, to Sydney. 
and that was a tough decision too because I had to uproot my my whole life and my business and and my girls stayed in Melbourne and that had its own challenges too. It was you know why is mum just leaving us and <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's not easy. And then you, you try to please everyone and juggle all the balls in the air, and it, it you can't always please everybody. It just yeah, doesn't work like that. Yeah, which I think is like you talk about self truth. You had to find what your truth was for that with your relationship with your fiance. Yeah, and that's that's you're not always going to please everybody. Someone just said to me, um, if you are really true to yourself you'll disappoint at least one person a day. <laughs> I don't know if that's I like that, but it's true. It is. I think, I don't know if I'm disappointing one person a day because I, I don't actually want to know, but um, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, that's, that's actually interesting. And that, that's um, with some of my coaching clients where they've I've not even the dating um, part of the coaching that I do, but just life coaching. I say to them, be aware that as you grow and as you, become the best version of yourself, you will drop some friends along the way. There's people that will, back to what you're saying, you will disappoint people yeah. because you are coming a better ver- becoming a better version of yourself. And even, you know, the man, man you might end up with, not all your friends might like him or, you know, so all those choices that you make. But if you, if you believe that you are becoming the best version of yourself and you are growing along the way, the people that fall off that journey, you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah. And um, you know, maybe they'll jump back on down the track or maybe that's that's it. They're, yeah. they're not meant to be on that next part of the journey. Yeah. So speaking of next part of the journey, aside from this amazing course that we're all going to get for free on LinkedIn, I can't wait to get it. Um, the the A to Z of, of finding truth or, or messing up the name. What's it called? <laughs> the A to Z of getting more truth and spotting more deception. Yes. Oh my God, that's so great. Also a sexy title. Um, <laughs> so aside from that, what else do you have? What uh, projects do you have coming up that you're really excited about? Oh, actually something, something that's going to see me coming to your part of the world. I've just signed up with a speaker's agency. So I do um, some, a lot of keynote speaking, which I love. And it's a path that I want to go down more or more of. And this particular agency is called um, Aussie Speakers USA. And so Yay. what they focus on, what they focus on is taking a select number of Aussie um, keynote speakers and promoting them in the States to particular events and conferences and, and so on. So when I saw that opportunity, I, I said at the start of the year, you know what I want to do? I want to speak in the States. And then, and then about four weeks ago, I got this phone call from this agency that said, Hey, you know, we're interested in having you on our books. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yeah. So I like, I, you know, I'm really, really, really keen that the truth and lies message, um, is so adaptable to any audience. So I don't, it doesn't matter whether I've got an audience of, of business women or an audience of emerging leaders or it, it doesn't matter. I can adapt that, that message and leave people with things that they can use. Um, yes. immediately so so that's my goal Jen is to be on the stages um in at conferences and events in the states in the coming sort of six to 12 months so yes oh yay yeah. well I'll obviously <laughs> keep in touch with you and I will find out when and where those are so that we can let our listeners know if they can come see you if they're living nearby because that would be so fantastic and I love this message. And I agree with you that it's so adaptable. And I just in this one conversation with you have picked up some tools that I'm going to use. So thank you for that. <laughs> and um, so we've come to the time in the interview, believe it or not, because this has gone so well and so quickly, uh, which I love that I have uh, every guest, I ask them three questions at the end of the, in, of the interview, just three, three questions. And then I have these lightning round questions that are just silly, fun questions that I'll ask you quick, rapid fire. Okay. So the, the three questions, the first question is, Ellie, what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? <laughs> I have a new map of it now because of you. Oh, yay! <laughs> and I, when I first saw the name of your podcast, like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been telling everyone, it's like, oh, I know this beautiful woman called Jennifer. And guess what? She's got this podcast called Milf. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I tell them what it stands for. I'm like, okay, cool. It's interesting, right? People get shocked at first. Like, it's like, yes. should I be off put by that or? You know, yeah. um, yeah, well, good. Well, thank you. I'm glad I'm helping, you know, reclaim that word because that's my mission. One Thanks. of my missions. 
The second question, Ellie, is what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Okay, I'm going to go really lame with this. I changed yeah. my mind about my hair. And it was really long and I cut it all off. And um, and now it's like right short. as It, it looks so great. <laughs> I feel like when we talked when we had our video conference last time, it was longer. Was uh, it? Because right now it looks so fresh and light. <laughs> I love it. It suits you. It's very yeah, sunshiny. Yes, it was long and I thought, no, I, I, I think I need to go short. So Yes, I just did the same thing. I chopped all my hair off. It's really short and I love it. It's empowering. Um, (laughs) Empowering. Um, How do you define success? I think success, wow, that's a big question, especially for the end of it. Uh, Success is, I think success is an internal feeling. Like it's, um, it's, and it's not necessarily about the goal and reaching that goal. It's, it's also about the journey to get there and who you're becoming along the way. So, um, for me, success is growing all the time and being a different person and a better person than I was yesterday. And whether that in, in whatever part of my life that is, and so that gives me a feeling of growth, of, um, helping others, of achieving. Um, and I guess that's my, my map of success is set your goals. But enjoy the journey along the way and grow and just keep on um, having gratitude for that growth. That is an amazing answer. That's an incredible answer. Um, okay, now we're going to the lightning round. This is just quick, quick, quick. So beach or mountains? Beach. But Favorite. I like my mountains too. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite junk food? Oh, um, probably chocolate. Mm. Is it? Yeah. Go to the movies or go to a play? Play. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Morning, early morning, first thing. Yes. Yeah. Texting or talking? Talking. Cat person or dog person? I love dogs, but I have a cat and I think the cat's going to have to win. My cat, Bella, she's going to have to win the day. Yeah. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe (laughs) Maybe to a costume party, <laughs> but not as a <laughs> shower or bathtub. Oh, I love a bath. I love a bath. You say bath, I say bath. <laughs> oh, I, I love a bath as well. So it sounds more elegant when you say bath. Um, cake or pie? Uh, what sort of pie is it? Any kind of pie you want. <laughs> Hmm. Pass. I'm not really. I'm not really a cake or a pie person. Oh, maybe okay. maybe, maybe a homemade apple pie. Okay. All right. You're more of a chocolate. We'll bring you chocolate when we see you. Okay. <laughs> maybe chocolate. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Uh, six. Oh. Uh, let's see. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world seven percent happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products. Would you push it? <laughs> Hang on, how much happier is it going to make people? Seven percent. Seven percent. Seven percent happier, but it puts a ban on hair products. Yes. Yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm all about happiness for the world. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Who needs hair products? No, Great. Yeah. I love it. Superpower <laughs> choice: invisibility or super strength. Can I, can I tell you just quickly? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, hijack yeah. the question. Yes. My, my super, a superpower, something that we haven't spoken about. You know, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. Yes. 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 Okay. Remember what she has. She has a lasso or a lasso <gasps> of truth, truth. Yes. Of course. That's your superpower. So, yeah. So it's actually something that I'm building into some of the seminars. My, the, the, to be able to have your own lasso of truth. And, and I looked into it more and more over the last couple, couple of months about her wonderful lesson of truth and what it can do. And in one of the episodes in the, in the, in the, in the magazine, she actually uses the lesson of truth on herself Ooh. to get the truth within herself. And I learned, as I learned more about it, I thought, Oh my God. So what I'm going to do for some of my women's audiences now for, for some of the events on that is give away lessons of truth. So I'm creating everyone's own little lesson. So you leave the event with a lasso trick, but I give you some tips on how to use it as well. So that's the superpower that I'm developing within myself and I'm going to help to spread as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. We all need that. I love it. Yeah. So I'll send you one. I'll send you one because I'm getting them made. It's very, very special. Love it. Special gold, gold lessons. Oh, I want one. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? 
Wow, that's a great question. I think talk to animals. I know, me too. Yeah. All right, last bit. What was the name of your first pet growing up? I don't remember. The one I loved the most was um, Katie the cat, which is also my daughter's name, Katie. <laughs> um, okay. Katie, Katie the cat was was abandoned, and we rescued Katie the cat. And um, yeah, so. And what was the name of the first street that you or the street that you grew up on as a child? Sun, Sunset Drive. Oh, that's very Hollywood. <laughs> so your stripper name or your pole dancer name, as I like to call it, is yeah. Katie the Cat Sunset. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll own it. I'll own it. By the end of the day, I'll have the domain name registered <laughs> and, I'll have a, and I'll have a logo done too. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ellie, thank you so much. This was such a treat and a treasure. Thank you, Jennifer. I've had a ball and the time's gone really fast and I hope we can speak again and I'll see you in Australia and I'll see you when I come to your your part of the world. Yes. Thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. Really hope you enjoyed this episode with Ellie. It was so great. And next week, I have another amazing, yes, I did use the word amazing. I have another amazing guest. Clara Bidwell-Smith is joining us on the show. If you are enjoying the show, please go in to wherever you're listening and rate us, review us, send us little love notes. Uh, You can also go to milfpodcast.com. You can find show notes, tweetable quotes, and you can also give me your email if you want to be on my newsletter list. I'm really grateful to all my listeners and I'm just so thrilled to be doing this show. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. It's becoming its own thing. It's more than I actually even thought that it was going to be. One of those things where I just thought, I kind of want to do this thing, but I don't know how it's going to turn out. And I just leapt into it uh, with the help of my producer and his team, now my team. And it's just, it's really been gratifying and wonderful to not just get my voice out there, but more importantly, get multiple women's multiple mothers voices out there to tell their stories. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you and I'll be speaking to you next week.